Rachel Needle from Talking With Tech. And I'm Chris Bouguet from Talking With Tech. We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs. If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities. And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults, anything related to AAC. So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWT podcast. Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect like the, the policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science episode number 132. We're nearing the end of season four. I'm Matt Hot, joined as always by my favorite cast of characters, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike and Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. Hi. I just want you guys to know that I remember like 60 episodes ago, you guys got mad at me that I never responded back when you guys say hi. So I try to say hi occasionally. You've done. No, I think you do, I, you, you do yeah, it every you, time, dude. You're I'm very consistent. Better. I am learning my social cues and responding when someone talks to me. It took it took, it took a while. Oh, uh, you know. episode number 132 today. I'm excited because we're, so we're checking in with the informed SLP. Of course, we have our SS pod due processes and our uh, SS pod shout outs uh, and then checking in with Asha. But first, like always, we want to hear from you. So head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And from there, you can email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, hashtag SS pod, uh, phone call or text message 614-681-1798. Uh, you can order stuff at merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com or the Discord, uh, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. And if you're listening right now, scroll on down, give us a rating or a review. I found out some interesting, cool facts this weekend, guys. Do tell. If you have more than like 15 ratings or reviews, you're in the top 50% of podcasts. Really? And we have 68. Now... If you can get over 100, you're in the top 85% of podcasts. Interesting. So we are at 68. We are short. Uh, my speech therapy calculations tell me I'm 32 short of 100. So we are now at the drive for 100. So post us a review. <laughs> Ratings and reviews, stars or typing up. We don't really care. Give us one star. Give us five. Whatever. We'll take it. Let's check in with you guys. How have you been? Michelle, I'm excited to tell you that this may or may not be the last episode for you in season four. How is everything is going over in the Michelle household? Well, um, you're right. I, mean, I guess this really could be right? the last one that I'm on for a little while because our, our babies really do anytime. So I am almost 39 weeks along. Um, so we shall see. But my son came late, so I'm not expecting baby in the next couple of days or anything. Hey, we did this about two and a half years ago. Two years ago, we said that if you're able to, we'll just broadcast live from, you know, the recovery room. We'll just check in with you. From the hospital in Kansas City. Yeah. Why not? Why not? I mean, <laughs> Zoom is a miracle. You can just hop on Instagram live and just give us an update. 
I'll probably just do audio. How about that? That's fair. <laughs> You're like, please don't put me on camera. But besides incubating and cooking a small child, how are you? Or, uh, a, a new, you know what I meant. How are you? That sounds so weird. Cooking a child. That. Yeah. that was awesome. Oh, yeah. We're doing well. Enjoying Kansas and um, definitely, like many people, jumping into the Christmas spirit as early as possible this year and uh loved taking my my son who is almost two and a half is at the perfect age to start grasping some of the concepts of christmas and he now loves christmas trees and knows what santa is and points out all the christmas lights and any house that has christmas lights he calls it a christmas house oh cool i love it (laughs) yep so i've just started referring to them all as christmas houses and you guys have the perfect christmas last name as well yeah, well, yeah, well, my husband's is different, but yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's true. Good point. <laughs> but but yes. he knows, he knows, he knows mommy's name. Yes, wintering. So there you it's go. a good winter seasonal name. I like it. It's very, uh, it's very merry. That's yeah, awesome. I like it. Mike, are you getting into the Christmas spirit? We are now 22 days away. Absolutely. Yeah, we just got our tree uh, the day after Thanksgiving, I think it was. Uh, got that, got that all set up. I got this right here that I was putting on zoom today for like, I use, I, 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 I <laughs> That's do this like a St. Nicholas. I That's do this a... with my students. Like I'll log in like this and then I'll just show up like that. So anyone who's listening, he just shows his zoom name with no live video yeah. and then he pops on holding a, that looks like a true St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. It is. That is. That's, that's legit right there. But hey, yeah, Saint- it's been it's been good. We've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of Christmas themed social groups and things like that. And sort of, you know, a lot of the kids have been in a little bit more better mood, you know, cause they know the gifts are coming and, you know, there's <laughs> breaks and uh, a lot of schools have changed to virtual after Thanksgiving. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a pretty good week. A lot of, uh, a lot of good, a lot of good moods, a lot of good progress. That is uh, pretty cool. Are you uh, still monitoring your half and half caseload of telepractice and in person, or is that kind of swinging one way or the other right now? Uh, since Thanksgiving, it's been much more telepractice. Uh, a lot of the schools and a lot of the districts have closed around here uh, after Thanksgiving, just playing it safe, knowing that people were getting together and that and that sorts of thing. And social distancing wasn't done very well over the holidays. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, much much more teletherapy now. I'll be in the clinic tomorrow, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we are on digital right now, but we're set to return on Monday. Hmm, and okay. I don't know if that's going to hold true or not. What? How long have you been virtual now? One week. Okay, so they just took a week off after the holiday? Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. A little conversation. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> My son came in to give me a hug and a kiss before Aww. bedtime. So. Now, did um, your school district, Matt just take a week off after the holiday is that why we did we did the one week after thanksgiving i think to kind of figure out where all of our caseload numbers or not caseload numbers the positive cases are going right um and then just to kind of you know whatever so i mean i uh was looking at the map uh one of the maps that talks about cases around the country and you know no uh, when you're traveling or if you have to travel to know if you're going from mm-hmm. a red location to a purple um, to somewhere else and the whole country <laughs> almost is red i saw yes. a funny thing Orange. it said ohio is now on ohio's list of areas not to travel to yeah exactly uh the good news is is my county is not in purple and that is because they have not finished counting all the cases from thanksgiving because of a backlog of positive case numbers so we are not purple because the numbers haven't been counted yet because there's too many to count. <laughs> Yay! Oh Crazy. gosh. Yeah. Well, um, so all the schools, all the schools here in the couple districts near us, have all moved to virtual through the new year. Oh wow. Um, because it was basically Thanksgiving through the new year, um, at minimum, and then and that includes my husband's school because he's in school oh, right yeah. now, but right. for the military. Um, which is why we're here for the year. And so he is also virtual with his classes for in, until the new year, which I'm not totally complaining about. Cause if right. I go into labor, he's right here. <laughs> so. 
the monkey paw situation. We've all learned it. Uh, so my week, though, in a nutshell, is we've met with Ohio Valley Voices, which is one of the schools that we are considering for our daughter uh, with the hearing loss because it's crazy that we've got to get a two-month-old into a school because of hearing loss, but I am learning all of that. And the coolest therapy session in a long time I had today and that was a reading group where we read an article about Kevin Eastman and Greg Laird uh, and their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story called The Last Ronin. Have you guys heard of this? That sounds very familiar. So, yeah, I figured I'd get one of you guys to pop your head. Uh, I have not, but I do know. I, I mean, that I sounds unbelievable. Turtles, yeah, that sounds very familiar. I'm very so, e eager to hear this. So Kevin Eastman and Greg Land. Uh, created the Turtles back in the 80s as a comic book. And this was before it became what we know as the Turtles. Mm -hmm. And he's always had this story called The Last Ronin. And basically it takes place 30 years into the future and all the brothers are dead except one. Mm. And he no longer wears his color bandana. He wears a black one. He carries one side, one nunchuck, the bow stick, and one of the katana swords. And he tries to kill Splinter's daughter. Whoa. And so we talked about it in therapy today. And the kids all guessed who they thought would be the surviving turtle. And they gave reasons why they thought which turtle would be the surviving turtle. And now I want to go and buy the comic so that we can read it in therapy. We just when, did a news article on it. So When did this come out? Oh, two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Really? Mm -hmm. So it's brand new. Yes. Wow. And the kids, it was some of the most engaged, the last two weeks in therapy, I've had the most engagement from my reading groups. And uh, two weeks ago, we used the second chapter from War of the Worlds, uh, where like the spaceship crashes and everyone finds it. And uh -huh. this week was the last Ronin turtle story. So I'm, hmm. I'm loving my therapy sessions this past two weeks, guys. This uh this this past weekend I finally got around to watching the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, I love that movie. It was very well done. There were a lot of Easter eggs that I appreciated. I also love Ben Schwartz. Yes, yeah, he's very funny. He did a he did a great job of Sonic. Yeah. It was that cool, like you know, smart ass Sonic. You know, it was cool. I, I feel liked like it. our job is that we have to be up on some random pop culture so that our kids don't think that we're total dweebs that we mm -hmm. work with. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. If you're right. working with young adults, absolutely. Right. Like, did but that's you... no different to me than having to be up on things with uh, preschoolers, even before I had a toddler, right. because I needed to at least know a character from each show so that I could say, Oh, I like such and such just to see what they would say. <laughs> I know. You know what though? I feel like the, the therapists that have the hardest time have no idea what's happening. Yes. Agreed. In the world. Agreed. They're like, my kids are 40. Yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you guys know what the coolest, hottest thing in Fortnite is right now? It was some sort of some sort of update. Yeah, do you know the new uh, update to Fortnite? I recently heard about it. If once you say it, I'll know what it is. I'm I'm so Michelle, I, do you know? I don't. The greatest bounty hunters across the galaxy and of all the worlds are showing up. Which means that some of them are made up, some of them are whatever, but Mando... They have Mandalorians! They do, <laughs> and you can get Baby Yoda with him, what? and he uh, he rides his Razor Crest like a surfboard. Oh. So that's the new update in Fortnite. So there you go. Ask your kids well, if Baby Yoda has that. a name now, I mean... Grogu. Yep. People are not happy about that name. <laughs> Everyone forgot about Yaddle. 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 I heard there was a really big surprise from the cartoons. Yes. Yes. I, I don't want to. I don't want to say it. But ah. that's that is pretty cool. So this has been your pop up <laughs> for speech. Yeah, therapy. yeah. We're going down the main. Uh, all right. We want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us or phone call 614-681. One seven nine eight. Let's get into our SS Pod shout out, and this is the uh, the part of the show where you can send in a recognition using the hashtag SS Pod shout out, or of course you can email or phone call or text whatever you want, uh, where you want to recognize somebody doing something awesome 
in the field or related to the field of speech and language therapy uh, or communication in general. And this week, we are giving it to Mayling Chan and Lucas Duber, uh, former uh Co like Lucas was a former co-host uh, of here. Mei Ling is a, another podcast host, but they are part of the team at Cognition. A uh, Cognition is it Cognition? Cognition. C o g n i x i o n. We'll have the the link below. But uh, they I have found a way to perfect AAC through brainwaves and uh, augmented reality to control things in your home. And this is freaking awesome that is really cool so that so that they posted some uh some pictures of it uh it's hard to even grasp exactly how it's used or what it'll be or exactly like i, I i'm just very i'm very eager to see it be used in person i'll put it that way lucas said he'll be sending me some new videos because uh i was giving a presentation and i showed his old video are you going to oh. be able to share a link for that, Matt? Uh, I, that's why I asked him for video stuff. Yeah. So we could draw attention to our to us. I, like that, it. I mean, it sounds incredible, but I I want to see it in action too, just because it's. I mean, this is the we're on the cusp of so much amazing. Yeah, stuff. big time. I remember <laughs> I I remember I went on an on an interview like maybe like four years ago, whatever. And I asked the person like, 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 where do you see like the field going? Like, what do you see in the future? And he was, and he pointed to like his Apple watch at the time. And he was like, technology is going to take over the field of speech pathology and the things that your guys are going to be able to do is going to be amazing. And I thought to myself, I was like, Oh, really? And now it's, it's, it's happening. And who said that? Just a guy who interviewed me at, a, at an interview. Yeah. The regular, like probably, probably a recruiter who knows, <laughs> but but it was uh <laughs> he was right <laughs> he was right he was spot on Damn man recruiters he, he knew his stuff <laughs> well it's like uh what was that a couple weeks back where elon musk did the uh chip into the brain of the pig did you guys see that no i didn't really what did he do they did brain surgery and they installed like a microchip into the pig and the microchip is like self-learning and did surgery on itself wait what yeah <laughs> like it was the weirdest thing so like it was like a robot that was like doing the surgery to install the chip into the pig's brain to like so the robot was the chip sort of i mean it was like <laughs> the micro yeah it was such a weird thing but yes well, I mean, I feel the same way about you. If you've watched the space launch, I'm still blown away. There's so many mm -hmm. people who don't believe that the uh, that rocket lands on its own. That it looks it lands so weird. Itself. Yeah. Uh, but no, they're looking at the chip to help cure conditions such as dementia, Parkinson's, and spinal cord injuries. That's incredible. But then you got the team over at Cognition doing augmented reality to control things in their house and AAC through brainwaves. This is so cool very cool so ss pod when shout we are out the old slps we will be looking back going remember when remember when we had to touch on the ipad <laughs> exactly remember we had to talk to each other yeah <laughs> if you got an ss pod shout out let us know we would love to be able to recognize somebody doing something awesome uh in our field on hey, Matt, are you wearing a uh, SS Pod t-shirt? No, I am not. Oh, shucks. No, that, no, that hasn't come you, in yet. You could have lied. <laughs> yeah, you should have just said yes. You could have just I, said that, dude. I am waiting on the order to come in from Teespring. But that would have been a great commercial. I, like, I hey, are stuff. you wearing an SS Pod t-shirt? <laughs> no, I am wearing so cool. the shirt from the Cincinnati Comic Expo last year. The last one. That we had before. So now he's going to advertise for a comic show instead of our podcast. But nice no, work. I got all my gear coming in. I, I was threw hoping you it would a, be in. I threw you a lob softball on that one. And nope, I just, I just grounded that out the third. No, I got my uh, SS Pod masks and baby onesies and hoodies and t-shirts coming in. But uh, uh, not yet. Yep, but where can our listeners go find them? Merchandise.speedsciencepodcast.com. Heck yeah. There you go. Man, I need to get better at this Layout. whole thing. Man, you guys are so angry at me right now. On the flip side, if things I really are going did terrible, think it was an SS Pod shirt, though. I, I, know, I know you did. That's why I answered so honestly. 
on the flip side, if there is somebody doing something that you're just like, can we take it to the court of appeals and see what they say? That is the SS pod due process. Give us your topic and we will discuss it this week. The SS pod due process comes in anonymously. And uh, basically it's just two questions. Can my team, can my IEP team change my IEP goals at the IEP meeting? And what am I supposed to do if they're always rewording what I write? So I'm assuming this is from an SLP. I would hope so. Because if it is an OT, they are listening to the wrong show. Um, No, we love you, OTs and PTs. (laughs) Do you know if it's a CS or a... You know, someone uh, that I don't know when we get the anonymous one, sometimes they don't really sign much other than like a message. And through the 614-681-1798, you can just kind of text message it to us and they okay. just are a phone number. So so my first thought hearing that is, well, um, in some ways, yes, because an IEP is a team mm-hmm. paper. So it is a working document, meaning those goals are not locked in. Correct. When you walk into that meeting. So that is your recommendation as the speech pathologist. And yes, the parent as well as the other professionals there can make suggestions. Now, to add to that, you are the SLP. So this is your expertise area. So you should be the one explaining why you want it worded a certain way. Um, if you have an issue with the changes they're making. Because you're signing your name on that too, especially, and you're responsible for the speech goals. I don't know though, man, that feels kind of, that feels rough because like, if it's the principal making the changes at the IEP meeting, you don't really have much room to speak up. Well, maybe this is me coming from an Uh, outside, from from an outside of a school perspective, but I, I feel like sometimes we put a little bit too much emphasis into the actual wording of the mm-hmm. goal. Like everyone's going to have their own perspective of, oh, it, sh- it should be worded this way. It needs to be a smart goal. It needs to be this. It needs to be that. It's really just how it's performed by the therapist. Like you can look at a goal and think, okay, it's going to be approached this way, but it's really something you have to see in action. You have to observe it yourself. Uh, like you can have a goal written some way, but based on the activity, it comes out a certain way. Like if, if it's an articulation goal, if it's an engaging game, you're going to get tons of utterances and you're going to elicit a ton of samples. If it's not, it isn't, but it's the same goal. So, you know, the wording of the goals can sometimes, you know, everyone, these are those things that make IEP meetings last longer than they should. True. A little, you know, I agree talk, with that. The, yeah. When it becomes wordsmithing. Exactly. But, but if you're talking about the actual content and it's changing... Mm-hmm. the meaning of what you want to do as a speech pathologist, as a professional, then mm-hmm. I do think whether it's the principal or not, we're, we we're kind of obligated to explain ourselves and, and state why we professionally think the goal should be written a specific way and it's or hard. measured in a specific way. And that's hard. And that might mean like I've worked in a bunch of different mm-hmm. settings and I've had to adapt my goals to how, that facility or that school or that special ed director or that principal prefers them to be written. But you also have to make sure that it's measurable and that if another therapist picks up that student or that patient, Mm -hmm. that they're going to be able to also measure that goal. I can't tell you how many times I've written a goal and I'm like, this is the best goal ever. (laughs) And I get into the meeting and I describe it. And you would think that I'm selling ice cream to people in the desert. Like everyone loves it. (laughs) And then I go away for the weekend and come back and try to do it in therapy. And I have no idea what I'm tracking. There you go. Because I have no idea what my mindset was. And it's usually some stupid goal that has too much flowery language Mm -hmm. that no one called me out on in a meeting. And it's like, given minimal prompting, two or less. (laughs) verbal guided questions the student will respond to questions presented with less than 15 (laughs) seconds in 80 percent of opportunities in each of three consecutive trials by the end of the iep that is way too many things to track (laughs) no there's only one 
they were going to answer questions within 15 seconds. Yeah, but, but you added all these criteria of things you have to track. Have a minimal now. verbal prompting. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, that's still like, that's just, that's what we have to put in anyway. But like, I'll be sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. No one's asking him a question. I can't track any of this data. Well, this was well, a waste of time. I just think it's so important to remember that and to remind parents this too, because I tell friends who have kids with IEPs this, that remember, even if that IEP is for the most part written when you walk into an IEP meeting, it is not done. Mm -mm, correct. Exactly. And, and a lot of people don't realize that. So I think that is important for us to be able to tell parents and remind teachers mm -hmm. that just because you wrote those goals doesn't mean that they're locked in yet until we as a team and especially that parent and family or child if they're old enough are part of are part of that decision making so i i guess i emphasize that because mm -hmm. i've spoken to parents who it's been very stressful where they're like mm -hmm. i disagree with these goals but i feel like i have to sign this form and it is within their right absolutely to say i disagree with these goals and i'm not signing this mm -hmm. form I, you got to. I didn't sign that form from Help Me Grow when they uh, didn't have a, a filled in document. It's tough, but you got to stand up for your kid. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing that a lot of therapists don't realize, and it, it's a hard pill to swallow. We, the speech pathologist, do not even have to be at the table for the IEP team to decide that a speech and language pathologist is needed for a goal. And that is the hardest part for SLPs to, to kind of wrap their heads around is that Can you explain that again? Yeah. 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 So let's say the ETR team or the three-year evaluation or the multifaceted evaluation team, whatever you want to call it. I call it the ETR team. The triennials. Yeah. Right? yeah or the triennials. Yeah. The evaluation team report is okay. what I call it. Um, or is it what I've been trained to call it? In so Ohio. the team comes together, <laughs> say what? In Ohio. In Ohio. Yes. And let's say the team comes together and the school psych says, Hey, I've got low verbal scores and low social skills. And the teacher says, yeah, I noticed that they have a hard time stringing together answers. And the, the counselor says, yep, they don't have any friends. And they decide at that meeting, hey, team decision, we need an SLP to add on to the IEP. And they can then write a goal for the IEP team to accept and then say the speech therapist is going to see them for 190 minutes a week. Now, question on that, mm -hmm. because I have been out of the schools it's for a legal. while. It's legal. It is legal. Mm -hmm. Now, that's interesting to me because doesn't the SLP also have to sign? No, we are not a mandated. We are not a mandated part of the team. Gen what Ed teacher, parent, intervention specialist, and district rep. Doesn't that depend on what the needs of the kid are, though? No, those are the only four mandatory. It's the IEP team to decision. Think about it like this. But uh, what about what about if one of their primary issues they're saying is speech and language? Then the SLP could be the case manager on that. Well, so that's different if we're the case manager. But if we're not the case manager, we may so that's not, what you're talking mm -hmm. about. So think about it like this: in Section Five in Ohio. It's the transition. Uh, it's the transition part. So independent living, independent work, and independent study uh, parts, and you can assign part of it to work with the school counselor or the school psych. They're never part of the meeting. They don't sign off on the IEP, but we always put in something that says they're going to explore career options with the school counselor. Interesting. Yes. So this is where technically. It's not illegal for them to say, we're going to put OT on this, or we're going to put the speech therapist on this goal. Mm -hmm. However, best practice would say the SLP should do a full report and evaluation to identify their strengths and weaknesses, mm -hmm. and then write a goal based off of that student's strengths and weaknesses. Because it would be crazy in my, I shouldn't even say that, but it would be not a wise be absurd to just list an arbitrary number of minutes that you think a therapist should see a kid for. So this is where it gets tricky because that, when we talk about changing the goal, changing the IEP goal, kind of going back to the due process, like technically we don't even have to be part of the team decision 
when they decide to put speech on the IEP. Mm. So, I, I, I want to hear about, like, I mean, if people really experience this. I know one person has, for real. Okay. And I don't want to give anything away, but I know no, I'm just, one person I'm wondering, has, and it caused please, them to if, walk if, out of the job. Yeah, which I think it would if, mm-hmm. if you're just suddenly being... Basically, they found out that when they went to uh, the part that they gave at the meeting, and then when they got the official signed copy back, parts of their report were removed. And then uh, IEP goals were changed in the meeting with them there, and they couldn't fight it. And no matter what they said, it was overridden. Hmm. Interesting. And they were not SLPs that were doing it. So, yeah, I, and again, it sucks because it, it's such a crazy, this is where it becomes the be, the difference between best practice and legality. Yeah. And ethics and ethics. Yeah. Ethically. Can you do that or not? So, because I, I, I would be wanting to call the ethics number with Asha and ask them, what do I need to do? And there's not much this. you can do because yeah. again, it's a team decision. Yeah, but... I'm like the wet blanket of of tonight. I am so sorry. <laughs> I just well, I there are things that frustrate me so much in every setting I've been in, mm-hmm. even though I love so many parts of different settings. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the insurance and the um, is the biggest thing that is a hurdle in outpatient. Yep. Uh, what is allowed by insurance versus what someone actually needs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And in the schools, you have things like this where you feel like you can't provide services to who should have services because you're maxed out on a caseload with kids who maybe shouldn't have services. <laughs> I mean, yes. you've got um, SLPs are in a tough spot in a lot of settings. In every setting, there's at least you know there's there's, pro, there's pros and cons to every single setting. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we spend you know 99.9 percent of the time talking about diagnostics and therapy uh in grad school and then in the in the field really how much diagnostics and therapy is is what we're doing you know think of think of the paperwork and all that stuff mike did you see the the article that dr meredith harold from the informed slp posted about the lack of communication between research slps and in the field slps yes that was so michelle did you see this I did not, but now I'm interested. I'm yeah, because you pulling spent, it up right now. <laughs> you spent time in the research field uh, at, at at Ohio University, but basically it was why are why are SLPs in the field not doing the evidence based practice that the researchers are identifying as evidence based practice? And there was no answer. It was just more like a why. Why is this not happening? Are we not getting the information out? Is it people are not willing to listen to it? I think it's a very interesting thought process. And and I think part of it goes back down to this. Like, we have so many problems in our field that the three of us have time to research articles because we do it for fun because we're nerds. Mm-hmm. And... We do, and we got a really good compliment by somebody I'll tell you guys off the air who says that we actually do a decent job at doing it. Yay! Decent means average in my life, but <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take it. But you know, then you've got people that do it above average, like the informed SLP, who we'll hear from at the midway point of the show. Not everyone has time to, to digest evidence and the day to day life of a school or mm-hmm. a hospital or well, what was it there was another post on facebook where it was like would you take ten thousand dollars more but drive an hour to your therapy group and have 40 kids at your your school setting but drive an hour or would you take ten thousand dollars more than what you're making to have 70 kids on your caseload but a shorter drive it's like well those are two terrible decision making parts on both of those sides it just goes to show you where our priorities at. You know, the, the way our field is, is we're spending so much time with invoicing and billing and insurance and meetings and talking about therapy and talking about goals. 
when really what we should be doing is focusing on the research and providing the best evidence-based practices that we can. But we're being, we're being pulled by in every which direction doing things that don't actually help the kids. I got a stupid random moment in time survey. Have any of you, have either one of you guys ever gotten one of these? I did when I was in school, I used to get them. Yeah. So I just got one and my time was 8.08 to 8.18. And you have to report what you were doing, right? Yeah. And who was there and why I was doing it. A.M. or P.M.? A.M. I have gotten some of them where it was like, what were you doing at 5.05 p.m.? And I'm like, driving home. And it was like, why? And it was like, because I wanted to. Who was with you? No one. <laughs> like, this morning's, it was it was 8.08. What are you doing? And I was like, checking email. Is this for an IEP? Sort of, I guess. One of the emails. Is right? Like... Like... I, I hope some people are brutally honest on those. Like if I, they're if they're doing some weird shit. I I used to be super brutally honest, and then I kept getting more. So then now I like they've beaten me into submission of just giving the plain old answers, of just as little minimal work as possible. Actually, today I actually put in the uh, I had to do the write-in option today because mm. the the choices were too weird for me. Like it was like. Checking paperwork related to an IEP. N- no. Checking paperwork related to uh, intervention. N- no. Reading emails related to your IEP team. Not really. I was checking to see which students, if I knew anybody that was on quarantine, if I knew any of the teachers on quarantine. Like, that's what I was doing at 8.08 because my first student doesn't get there till 8.30. Like... <laughs> Sorry, random moment in time survey. So, anywho, to answer the question, maybe <laughs> about changing the IEP goal, but we want to hear from you. Head over to our website if you've had that happen to you, uh, speechsciencepodcast.com or email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. You can be like Cammie. Cammie sent us an email, and Mike, she's got a question for you. Uh oh. Mike, back in November, you mentioned a study from the Harvard Center on the developing child that highlighted the importance of meaningful experiences, varied experiences, and interpersonal relationships for child development. Can you expand on this, and do you have a link to the article? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely share the link. Uh, if, you, uh, if you go to Google and just type in the Harvard Center of the Developing Child Executive Functions, uh, they have all of their relationships and experiences thing there. So really what the most recent research on executive functioning is showing is that it is very, uh, it is, we know that it's the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And what we now know from all these studies is that is our social organ. That is where we have the drive to connect with others and experience things and meet with others. And that's where all of our social pragmatic skills come from. Uh, and building executive function skills comes from varied experiences. I, I know I said meaningful experiences, but it's really varied experiences and meaningful relationships of the people you meet along the way of these varied experiences. So really what we see now with uh, you know this big explosion of kids having executive dysfunction are these kids that develop these very, very small and narrow comfort zones. And a lot of parents and a lot of you know people in our generation, the three of us, fear is that uh, it's technology and the dependence on technology that's driving this because technology is replacing other experiences. Like for example, now we have our phones and we have Google that could answer any question for us immediately. In the past, we used to have to do some research and figure things out on our own. Uh, if we get go lo- to the library, exactly, go to the <laughs> library. Uh, if we get lost, we have a GPS right away. We don't have to use our problem solving skills, things like that. So technology is really decreasing the amount of varied and meaningful experiences. And a lot of these kids with executive dysfunction tend to fall into technology addiction or video game addiction. And that decreases the amount of meaningful social relationships they have because we now know that social video games, online games like Fortnite or Among Us, whatever it may be, uh, actually are not true social experiences. Uh, the language used and the 
emotional connection is just not there. And the language used is not a true social experience. So it is meaningful uh, experiences and varied experiences and interpersonal relationships. So the more people we meet and the more varied experiences we have is what develops that frontal lobe and develops that resiliency. Because the more things you're doing, the more you're building competence and confidence and all of these separate executive skills. You're learning how to be flexible. You're learning how to organize. You're learning how to manage your time. You're learning resiliency. Uh, and, and it's really just making sure that these kids are constantly trying new things. And along with, you know, there's two big things happening right now. There's the technology addiction, and there's a big epidemic of helicopter parenting, of, of, of parents trying to save their kids all the time and not wanting them to struggle and having to go attack the school when they're struggling and blame the teachers and blame this and blame that. Is this the brain architecture that they talk about, Mike? In what, in what way? Like building the brain architecture through the the varied experiences. Basically, yeah, that's okay. a that's a you know that's a phrase that's not used that much, but uh, just overall, it's just you know that is what builds these skills, uh, and that's really the, the executive function therapy that I do. Is you know ninety nine percent of the kids that come to me, uh, you know I'll ask them you know what does your kid do besides games? I'll ask the parents on the intake, and it's one one or two other things. And that's it. So we need to get this. We need to get them doing chores at home. We need to get them involved in extracurricular activities, which is very hard these days, of course. Mm-hmm. But we have we have to get them doing varied experiences because that's what creates that myelination within that frontal lobe. So I've got something super depressing for everybody on this phone call right now. So I'm looking at the center of developing the developingchild.harvard.edu and looking at their brain architecture page. And at what age do you think it becomes harder to uh, the ability to change in response to experiences? Uh, when does the amount of effort to create that change uh, become more difficult than the experience? Say that again. Okay. So if you were to look at how much effort it takes <laughs> I didn't to, <laughs> all right. Well, if you think about how much effort it takes to change our brain based okay. off an experience, at what age? does the amount of effort surpass the experience? So like big experiences change our brain, but at some point during our age, we have to put more effort in than the experience is giving us. Probably pretty young. Mike? Uh, more effort into the experience. That's probably, you can make the argument that it would be like low 20s. Late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. So I was going to say teens, but yeah, I guess that's says the brain's ability to change in response to experiences is high from birth until about, uh, about six. And then the slope kind of goes on a nice downward spiral until about 29. And then at about 29, 30, you create, you need more effort to change your brain. Yeah. We're all in that category, guys. Well, the front of the frontal lobe is fully developed at around 25, 26. Oh, is so that, that's so that's is it. Is that for the, everyone, or isn't that different between males and females? My frontal lobe's not. Uh, I'm sure males and females, but the, the for everyone, the brain grows from back to front. So it starts mm-hmm. back yep. here, and then and then, and then fully develops here, and that's what it is. Is it needs years and years and years of experience and meeting and doing different things and meeting different people to develop that skill. It's not something that's just going to show up at birth. It needs experience. Yeah. And the prefrontal cortex, right? Our inhibitions. There you go. Latest stuff to develop, fully develop. There you well, go. This there has you been a it. very informative first half of the show, guys. That's what I do, oh. man. We want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. You can email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or hashtag SSPod or 614-681-1798. After the break, we're going to check in with the Informed SLP, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Speech Science. Hi, I'm Mei-Ling Chan. And I'm Martin Sibley. And we are the hosts of the Exceptional Leaders Podcast, where we spotlight high-profile topics and amazing people who are changing the worldview on disability. Even though we are oceans apart, we are bringing people from all over the world together to discuss inclusion, advocacy, 
accessibility, and real-life journeys. So listen to the Exceptional Leaders podcast to hear the voices and stories from amazing changemakers and be inspired to make a real difference in the world. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. Two is better than one. Language screening in both languages is best for dual language learners. This is a review of a study entitled, Identifying Language Disorder in Bilingual Children Aged 2.5 Years Requires Screening in Both Languages, from ACTA Pediatrica. Most SLPs probably already had a sneaking suspicion that it's best to screen children who are dual language learners for language disorders in both languages. This study helps add fuel to the research fire by demonstrating that screening in both languages, in this case, the child's home language in Swedish, did the best job at identifying dual language learners at 2.5 years old with language disorders. Nayib et al. screened 111 bilingual children ages 29 to 33 months of age. The researchers used four different screening models. 1. Screen child in their mother tongue. 2. Screen child in Swedish. 3. Screen child in both languages. 4. Direct screening in Swedish and gather parental information about the child's language development in their mother tongue. After completing the screening, children were then assessed by an SLP that did not know the results of the screening test. Remember, you'll usually have the screening results, but they wanted the evaluating SLP to be blind to the screener results to prevent any bias in this study. They found that model number three, which screened children in both languages, was the best at identifying children at risk for developmental language disorder. Models number one and two led to many false positives, meaning children were failing the screening but did not have developmental language disorder when evaluated by an SLP. Model number four led to many false negatives with many children with DLD passing the screening test based on parental report. We recognize it may not always be possible to screen dual language learners in both languages, but when you can, you absolutely should. By conducting screenings in both languages, you'll be less likely to waste time testing false positives or even worse, miss out on identifying false negatives. If screening in both languages isn't possible, Check out this post on how much English exposure DLLs need for English language tests to be useful. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice, or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. Welcome back to Speech Science, episode number 132. Nearing the end of the fourth season. I love it. We have done so well. I'm Matt Hot, joined by Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. And Michael McLeod. Hi, Matt. Hey, guys. So, fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> she said, hey, guys. My, my, my county that I work in the home care side is in over 10%. So, do you guys know what that means? 
uh, like beds are filled. Oh, 10% of COVID. I'm sorry. 10% oh. COVID. Right. That means I get COVID tested twice a week. Twice a week? Yeah. My brain is getting scraped twice a week. And the nurses, uh, so it's part of like this offensive to make sure that none of us have COVID so that we're not dragging it into people's homes. Wonderful mm-hmm. idea. But I have to laugh because whenever I go, they're like, do you want to do it? And I'm like, nope. And I put my head back and I'm like, just just do it. And they jab it into my brain mm-hmm. and made me laugh last week because they were like, oh, we got a little blood this time. And I was like, yep, I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, man. Have you guys I know, Michelle, you got COVID tested when you had COVID. Yeah, I had, I had, I had the test twice, but that was plenty for me. Mike, have you been COVID tested? I have, just on my own. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I've I've become numb to it, y'all. Mm-hmm. I will say it was worse when I was swollen, like when I actually had mm, it. That's fair. Than when my sinuses were not swollen. You know what I'm doing every morning to make sure that I don't have COVID? I found out my medicines have a weird smell to it, so now I smell my medicine bottle every morning to make sure that I still smell the weird smell. Great story, man. I didn't know where you were going with that for a second. I was like, (laughs) like I have one bed that smells like a weird, like it's like a fish smell. So like I open the bottle and I'm like, ah, don't have COVID today. Is that a a omega threes? No, it's metformin (laughs) for diabetes, but whatever. (laughs) All right. I might have eaten like a child at some point in my life, and uh, I'm paying for it now. So there we go. Thanks, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this part of the show we always take a look at headlines to kind of give you a quick idea of what to talk about at the metaphorical water cooler because last week I got yelled at there is no water cooler and it's COVID so we don't really have anything to do um, there's a study that came out from CNN they said missing multiple credit card or not from CNN but reported <clears throat> on CNN missing multiple credit card payments in a year maybe an early sign of dementia and my my question for you is the the executive functioning guy why is it that i will forget something that i'm supposed to be doing every month forget something you're supposed to be doing every month yeah so like saying like uh uh forgetting to pay my credit card well i mean isn't this just like you said the brain develops Mm, back to front one of the first things to start to go oh yeah very good call with yeah. age is your prefrontal cortex, which is your inhibitions and your planning and your, um, I'm, I'm assuming keeping, keeping a schedule like that, right? Yeah. We start to, as we get older, everybody does it, use compensatory strategies. And, and it, I think it makes sense that missing a payment, not just a credit card, probably any payments or any routine thing that you've done. Or I'll even add, because I remember this with my own grandfather, doubling up on payments. Mm. I do that because they, he would forget that he had paid it. Yeah. And, and it's always those, in, those non motivating things. You know, if, if something is intrinsically motivating to you, like if you need to go, if you need to remember when your favorite show is on or mm, if, when you need to go, you know, reach out to your favorite friend or whatever it may be, those are things that are going to stick in your memory because in your free time, you're visualizing yourself doing it. So executive functioning starts with, non-verbal working memory which is the visual imagery system so if you are able to visualize and create those mental movies of yourself doing something in the future chances are you'll remember to do it you're not gonna sit there one day and think and picture yourself paying your bills uh it's not you know it's it's not something that's intrinsically motivating no one wants to do it there you go uh the second article this is saying families in california are starting to sue uh, based off of missed uh, therapy and education services. And this is now another article because uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about New York. Families are going to start bringing court cases to the table. Make sure you've got your paperwork squared up of why you weren't doing teletherapy. That's all I could say about this, right? I would just say just track. Like, yeah. yeah. Just keep it in your calendar. Keep it, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make note that you tried to contact families or you tried to schedule this. Or I hate to do it. I've even started doing it for kids that like are sitting there like this during my therapy session, playing on their phones. I'm like, oh, I'm going to track this because this is not on me. This is not my fault right now. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the next article. In the beginning, the first half of the year, almost 300,000 essential therapy appointments were missed, including 70,000 SLP therapy sessions were missed. Is at this the beginning of the school-based? No, just total, general. Across the U.S.? Across the U.S., yes, ma'am. I'm not surprised. That is a lot. Mike, how many cancellations do you think you averaged the first half of the year per week? That's a good question. Because you're talking like... all settings, Correct. right? All settings. You're talking outpatient, you're talking school, you're talking... Mm-hmm. I would say maybe between 5 and 10, maybe, per week. A week? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, let's say on the low side, 5. First half of the year, you're looking at, what, 25 weeks? You're looking at 125 missed visits just in your clinic. Oh, yeah. It was that kind of year, man. Think about it. The learning curve of figuring out how to log into the session. Is it over Mm, Zoom? Is it over Google? Is it over some other platform? Is it one that they have? Do they have the app? Do they have internet? Do they have Wi-Fi? Good point. Where's the camera? That's a great point. What time is the appointment? Do we have the internet that works? My internet broke today during a therapy session. Just My the... toddler unplugged <sighs> the internet, you know? <laughs> My Blackboard server went down right as I was logging in to meet with a student. Wow. I had to pull up a phone and start a Google session. I'm like, well, this isn't HIPAA compliant. It might have been. <laughs> I'm not even sure at this point. The last article, I'm not going to bill for it. That's all I know. The last article... Uh, Kmart is introducing dolls with Down syndrome in New Zealand. So that's pretty cool. I love the idea of representation in toys. Yeah. I, to me, this is just like yeah. having a doll that has a leg brace or a cochlear mm-hmm. or a wheelchair or whatever. It's seeing a child being able to see themselves represented it in says, the toy aisle or in the is it, so important. It says Kmart there because Kmart here in the U.S. is is non nothing, but Kmart there has a line of dolls uh, that they are their fashion dolls with disabilities. Uh, they have a doll with an amp- an amputation, visually impaired, uh, crutches, one wearing a cochlear implant, and one with a wheelchair. That's great. They all look kind of yeah. like Barbies, except like off like a little bit different than a barbie except not <laughs> except not their heads are a little bit bigger it's like a, not a barbie doll it's like it's a, a doll it's a is doll. what you're saying it's the size of an Guys, action figure is what we've got no it's like a 12 inch doll you said a barbie barbie is not six inches barbie is the size of uh, some of your action figures are 12 inch don't tell me that oh yes <laughs> these but they are not six inches barbie is 12 man did I ever tell you I lived next door to a Barbie and Ken growing up? I mean, that's a common name for probably the generation of your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I that's I grew up next to that. So anyway, those were the headlines. Talk about them. At it the doesn't metaphorical... look like a Barbie for anyone who looks at the link. <laughs> Anywho, that's the metaphorical water cooler headlines. Let's check in with Asha, and I thought what would be cool to represent is Asha put up a new uh, page that you can share with families uh, from identifythescience.org and Screen Time Net- Screen uh, Screen Time Network.org uh, about how to interact with your baby, how to build your baby's brain, and how to limit screen time. So that is what Asha is doing for us this week. So before we okay. end the show. This is the part where the music plays and everyone goes, just stop talking. I'm putting my podcast <laughs> And then up they twice end speed. their podcast. Make sure you go to rate and review us. But before that, Mike, what are you doing this week that is not therapy related? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, continuing to decorate and prepare for the holidays and Christmas and that sort of stuff. Uh, definitely trying to social distance as much as possible. Uh, definitely keeping up with that, finding ways to do that, do all the, those sorts of things. Uh, and, you know, trying to get back into more, you know, more of these winter hobbies like reading and doing things indoors. Staying warm. 
staying warm. It's a good one. Shoveling snow. Michelle, do you guys get snow in Kansas? What are you doing in the next couple of weeks? We, def- we definitely get snow in Kansas. What's on your plan for the next couple of weeks, <laughs> Michelle? Uh, I need to just map. I- I'm going to make you a map of where I've lived in the United States so that you can keep track of I it. I think, hold on, let me just see. This is going to see. Let's see if I can actually do it. All right. All right. I'm going to go to try to go in order. <laughs> Okay, from grad school on, is that yes. it? Okay, Ohio. Yes. Colorado. Correct. Texas. Yes. Kentucky. Yeah. Kansas. Look at you. See, you didn't wow. say New hard. Mexico or Arizona. That was very that was impressive. That's because I'm in my brain actually really impressed. In my brain I really wanted to say Arizona and New Mexico and I knew you would yell at me, so I was like, I'll just go with the big state next to those. Good job. Very well done. Uh, that's, a, that's a real friend right there. Right? See, I wanted Thanks, to. Thanks, Matt. Mike, I can guess yours. New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Wrong. What? New York. Wait, I thought you were from New Jersey. Nope. Oh, okay. New York, then Pennsylvania. Long Island. That's New, New York. York. New York City, Philadelphia. I'm just talking states at this point. New York, <laughs> and then New York, and then, and then Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Never New Jersey. Oh, man. Anyway, Michelle, anything fun happening in the next week for you? Um, I mean, who knows? I could You're have 40 a baby. weeks. So that would be fun and exciting. I don't know about fun. It would be exciting. <laughs> um, Did I tell uh, you the story about when we arrived for, for Evie's birth, that when we came in off the elevator, this mom is like in distress, and they just wheel her out of triage across the hall to delivery and then we're like whoa so then we start to sign in and then i the nerd like no joke as soon as we're signing in like five minutes of just paperwork one of the nurse comes over and was like that baby came out and then like uh two days later i met the dad of the hallway baby and Mm -hmm. he was saying that he dropped her off at the bottom of the elevator and parked the car and by the time he got up there, he missed the birth, but it was like their sixth child. So there was nothing to like. Yeah. Had I told you about my neighbor who had their baby in early July, uh, no. my neighbor from Kentucky, Mm-mm. and it's a 45 minute drive. It's their second kid. So this is not their first time going through this. Multiple children. Um, and their daughter was born in the garage of a firehouse in a suburb of Louisville on the way to the hospital. Oh my. Yep. So, yeah, so little Hallie uh, was born (laughs) and she made the news too. There was like, it was like a very feel good story because everything turned out the best it could, but uh, they did not make it to the hospital. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm glad that we are done having kids. Uh, What (laughs) I am doing in the next week is I get to open these. It is the Marvel Advent calendar. It is bigger than a child's body. I have no idea. My wife gave it to me. And it's got 25, or it gave it to the kids, but I'm claiming it. It's got 25 different stories related to the Marvel superheroes. Love so it. So every night, me, the boys, and Evie lays on the floor and passes out because she's only Aww. two months old. But I read to them a new story about Marvel history. So I get to share my nerd nerdum with them. So pretty awesome. I'm uh, definitely well getting more in the Christmas spirit. More Christmas lights are going up. We got a real tree this year since we're not traveling at all for the holidays. Aww. And I love a real tree. So. Oh, yeah. Hit us up. Can't go fake. Let us know what you are doing for the holidays. We would love to vicar- was it vicariously live through you. <laughs> SpeechSciencePodcast.com. Find us at the Discord.SpeechSciencePodcast.com. Hashtag SSPod. Phone call or text. Go buy yourself some swag from our Teespring shop. Teespring, find it, or the swag store, find it at merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com. And there's actually some pretty sweet deals going on there right now. Uh, and then they the sweet deals end right around a week before Christmas. So they check make that great out. Great Christmas presents. That's a, that's a great point. I ordered, did I also tell you I ordered a coffee tumbler? I like legit went out and spent like $180 on our store. I'm just waiting for all of it to show up. Next week, I'm just going to be dressed head to tail <laughs> in speech science stuff with mug. my coffee mug. Looking uh, good on intro, a radio show. Our intro music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar. It's licensed under an attribution and share alike license. Our bump music is County Fair Rock. Copyrighted John Deku. Find his music at soundcloud.com slash dirtdogmusic. 
the we should send him a t-shirt yeah we will john email us back and give us an address and i will send you a shirt for us using your music and if you create new uh, new music for us, we'll send you a T-shirt if we use it on air. Uh, the Informed SLP, it's at the count by Broke for Free. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. And our closing music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod. It's licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. I love that the merchandise store was like, hey, maybe we'll make a little money to pay for the stuff to keep the show going for free. And we're like, we'll just give everything away. Like, <laughs> sure, why not? Whatever. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> In real talk, it is the nearing the end of season four. We're excited. Coming up on the horizon, we do have a Christmas episode. Uh, we're going to be hanging out with the folks from Talking with Tech and maybe doing a round uh, round panel. Is that what I want to say? Round talk? Round table? Round table. There we go. Round talk. Round table panel <laughs> discussion. Uh, with Ayelet Maronovich and Ruchi Capella as well as, well as um, oh, what's her name? Rachel Mayo from Talking With Tech. Can we do a about, quiz about that. again? I want yes, to that. for Christmas. I would love to do that. Yeah. So, all right. For Michelle Wintering, I'm Matt Hot. Mike McLeod is also over there. I just goofed up that exit. In the immortal words, Janice Wright, always be a willow. Don't be an oak tree. Michelle, I can't. The oak tree will crack under pressure. The willow will bend and return to form. Till next week. So long, everybody. Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at SpeechSciencePC and like our page on Facebook. For more original podcasts, please visit ExceptionalEd.com and rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.